Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Thursday Thoughts. I hope this podcast episode finds you well. I hope you all are having a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and I hope everything's just going well for you. I just want to stop and say Happy Thanksgiving. I know today is Thursday, and so uh, for once I actually pre-recorded this episode, so maybe this is technically like a Wednesday thought. But anyway, all jokes aside, um, I'm glad you're taking the time to listen to this. Uh, I know it's Thanksgiving. I know you guys are having uh, you know, all your Thanksgiving plans with your meals and so on and so forth, but you know, I, I, I hope that... Um, this will be a good part of your day, too, because I think that today's lesson, uh, well, today's study, I should say, from 1 John chapter 4, is, I think it goes along great with Thanksgiving, because one thing I know that I'm thankful for is the love that God has for me, and the love that God has for us, and something that we, at least I hope we as Christians can be thankful for, is our love for one another, and the love that God's family has for one another, and the love that we, Lord willing, I hope that we're showing the world. And if you're not a Christian, I hope today can give you some insight into what real Christian love is supposed to be, and what Christian love is supposed to, what it is, and what makes it stand out from the world's definition of love. And so, let's introduce our text today. So, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. This section is dominated and held together system, you know, kind of by the, well, it's held together by the concept of love. The, the word in some form, in the Greek form, occurs 32 times within 1 John 4, 7 and 1 John 5, 3. 43 times in the entire letter, but it happens a lot right here in this section. And so... John is, you know, demonstrating, you know, the imperative of this obligation. Why is reciprocal love the plain duty of Christians? It is, as John began to say in 1 John 3.16, that God has revealed himself to us in Christ Jesus as sacrificial love. God is love himself. God has loved us in Christ, and God continues to love it to love in and through us. These are reasons why we must love each other and love God. And that's basically what the text is going to talk a little bit about today. So let's let's jump into our text for today. So 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his Son, his only Son, into the world, so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe that, lo- the, 
excuse me, to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected, by this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is so also, excuse me, because as he is, so also are we in the world. Some some of the sentences in this text are tongue twisters. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has nothing to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has... Excuse me. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Sorry, I I got tongue twisted in there. Uh, I hope you have your Bibles open, at least on your phone, or uh, maybe you have your actual Bible in front of you. But 1 John 4... 7 through 21. So as we go through these verses, uh, I'm going to kind of break the verses up into sections. And so if you have the Bible and if you have these verses in front of you, you can kind of skim them as I'm talking through each of these sections to see the points that I'm making. So the first section we're going to talk about is, is 1 John 7 through 12. Well, in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, John's exhortation is for Christians to love Christians, although the importance of loving non-Christians is not to be excluded. The basis for this love is God and His love. In fact, it is because love is from God. From the truth that God is love, John draws a further deduction, not now positive and inclusive like that of verse 7, but negative and exclusive. Verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God. The argument is plain and compelling. For the loveless Christian to profess to know God and have been born of God is like claiming to be intimate with a foreigner whose language we cannot speak, or to have been born of parents whom we do not know in any way or resemble them. It is to fail to manifest the true nature of him whom we claim as our father and our friend. Love is as much a sign of Christian authenticity as is righteousness, because just like God is holy, God is love. In 1 John 4, 9-10, God, God demonstrated his love for humanity and creation by sending his only son to die as a means of atonement for sin. Since the incarnation represents God's ultimate expression of love, those who deny that Jesus came in the flesh reject God's love for them. Remember the, the Gnostic teachers back in the day that John's confronting in this were trying to deny that Jesus actually came in the flesh. And so John makes it a point in this whole letter to talk about, well, Jesus actually did come as a person. He lived. He was flesh. And so anyone who denies that Jesus came in the flesh rejects God's love for them. In this verse, the purpose in sending the Son is not the incarnation, but the atonement. God sent his Son to die. Further, God's love is primary, not ours. The death of Christ is extolled, not the birth. John, in concluding the verse with the phrase, Our sin, is keenly aware of his own need as well as ours for the propitiatory act. Our act was to sin. God's act was to love and send his son. 
Verses 11 and 12 here, John links together the two main issues that the false teachers have misconstrued. Love of God and love of neighbor. For John, the two expressions of love are, they're, they're tied together. No one, no one has seen God, that is, in his full manifest form. John argues that although no one has seen God, his character can be seen in believers who love as he does. Moving into, we're going to now break down this section, verses 13 through 21. In 1 John 4, 13 through 16, verse 13 continues the theme of mutual indwelling of God and the believer, rooting it in the presence of the Spirit within Christians. It is the Spirit of God who indwells believers, which creates a vital spiritual union with God. From the truth that God has given us His Spirit, John moves to the fact that God has sent His Son. The Trinitarian reference is plain. Since it is the Father who sent His Son into the world as Savior, who also sent His Spirit into our hearts as witness. Christian certainty rests on this combination of the objective and subjective, the historical and experiential, the Son's mission and the Spirit's testimony. Verse 15 goes back on the theme of mutual indwelling. Faith in Jesus' Sonship causes God to live in the believer and the believer to be a part of God or to live in Him. This phrase, which continues the thought from verse 15, represents the main point of John's letter. A person who is truly a Christian and part of the Christian community correctly identifies Jesus as the incarnate Son of God. Christians demonstrate their belief in Jesus by loving others, admitting sin, and letting God transform their life. We've seen that up to this point from what John says here in 1 John. These actions also define a person as a true child of God and a member of the believing community. Verses 17 through 21, in this text, we see that God's love is made perfect or complete among believers when they reflect God's loving character in their lives. Love is not an abstract concept for John. It concerns the outworking of the believer's faith in ordinary interactions with people. John further explains why believers can be confident in God's love on the day of judgment. God's wrath is reserved for those who unrepentantly dishonor others with their apathy. Verse 19 is a verse that instills confidence in John's readers. We can love boldly because God loves us boldly. The inward character of an individual is revealed when he lies about his love for God. He declares that he loves God, but fails to demonstrate that love in his treatment of fellow Christians. One may possibly claim to love God and deceive others since God cannot be seen and others are not able to prove the truth of the declaration. The visible, can't talk. The visible manifestation of an individual's love for God, however, will eventually show up in his dealings with his brothers and sisters in Christ and the people around him, who indeed are very visible. Loving one's brother is not just a spiritual requirement. It is also a command. The reason that it is impossible for the inconsistency stated in verse 20 to remain is that the command to love God and the command to love one's brother are two parts of one command. They are inseparable. So, kind of wrapping all this up, John admonishes us to cultivate mutual love. For love originates from God. Love is divine. For love is 
of God and God is love. God sets the example by sending his son into the world. And if, I, and if we show love toward one another, God has fellowship with us. Our acknowledgement that Jesus is the son of God confirms that God lives in us and his love. We can have confidence on the day of judgment because love expels fear. The person who fears does not have perfect love. Because if we truly love God and God's love is made perfect in us, then we have nothing to worry about. And we're going to see more of that in John chapter five, in 1 John 5 whenever we get to that point. If we love God and hate our brother, we are liars. We have received the command to love God and our neighbor. We have to make sure that we do that. And so again, as we are concluding our lesson today, our study, I think of the song we used to sing in youth group. I think I, I mentioned it. I think I actually named one of the podcast episodes earlier in the season the name of the song. But they'll know we are Christians by our love. In other words... From this text, we can see that love is a defining mark of a Christian. Remember, remember, I've been saying it in every episode, but 1 John is a wonderful book of the New Testament because if you go through 1 John, you really get to see the key markings of a Christian. In other words, you get to see what a real Christian looks like, how Christians have love, how Christians are holy, how Christians admit that they sin, but they do their best to walk in the light as he is in the light, and so on and so forth. And so this morning, or this morning, it's morning right now, that's why I'm recording, but, but today I hope that we see that, you know, where people, where we may not be able to see God today, the way God is seen is through Christian love, because God is love. So whenever we're loving people with this agape love, we're loving them the way God would, and we're showing them God by his love and through love. And so that's why love is so important. And that's why, you know, if God is love, and we're going to be called children of God, we better represent love in our lives. And so, I hope that we see that from this. And again, in this season of Thanksgiving, um, I think it's important that we remember how thankful we need to be for so many things. You know, just in this text alone, we need to be thankful that God showed his love to us through his son, Jesus. We need to be thankful that Jesus loved us enough to die for us and to be the propitiation for our sins. We need to be thankful that the Holy Spirit is, you know, that the Holy Spirit chooses to live within us and dwell within us, you know, despite how difficult that may be for him sometimes because we're stubborn and we're sinful. And Lord willing, I hope that we are treating people with love and people are treating us with love in the church family. And I pray that that's something that we're thankful for, the body of Christ and the love that we have for one another. And so I'm, th I'm grateful and I'm thankful for love this year. The love of God, the love of Jesus, the Spirit, the love of my Christian family. And I'm thankful that God has allowed me to be able to show his love to the world around me. And I pray and hope that you guys will be able to say the same this holiday season. I want to thank you guys for joining in on another episode of Thursday Thoughts. I hope this has been encouraging and I hope you've learned something. And let's try our best to apply this love in our lives. God bless.